Welcome to the Soulless Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our passion as a church community is to see Jesus at the center of all things. For more sermon content and information, check out soullesschurch.com. Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for, as Kyle said, just the opportunity for the fresh start of a new year. Thank you for this moment we have now. Lord, to, to just be with you. What a gift that the first day of the new year falls on a Sunday. So we can be here prioritizing our focus in our lives for this new year around you. And so Jesus, uh, thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for every person here. And we just pray that, that this time would, would just be useful in leading us closer to who you've called us to be and, and really ultimately that you would have your way and that you would be glorified. Um, we know that whatever's for your glory is, is for our ultimate good. So take us into that deeper today, we pray. And and Lord, um, just ask that your Holy Spirit would be here speaking to us, being our strength, and, and being that, that presence that we need here in this place. We love you, God. Pray to speak to us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can take your seat. Well, this past, uh, last year, that's going to be fun to say for a few weeks, last year, we wrapped up right there at the end of December a 10-month study through the Gospel of Mark. We walked verse by verse through all 16 chapters of Mark's Gospel, looking at the life of Jesus in a series we called The Way. And we concluded that uh, series just before Christmas Eve. And um, as we're, we're coming into the new year, a lot of prayer, a lot of vision for, for you know, really, when, when, we're, when we're thinking and praying about Sunday morning and what scriptures we're looking at, we're really asking the question, not just like, what would be cool to study, but we're really asking, like, God, what are you doing in our church? And, and, and that usually comes through whatever we're studying. When we study a book of the Bible, like Mark, we're not just going into the Gospel of Mark to learn things. We're, we're expecting that God wants to do some things. He wants to take us somewhere. And that's a part of wherever we end up. And so I'm excited for February. When, when we begin the month of February, we're going to begin a few-month journey through the book of Ephesians. Really excited about that. Exploring what it means to be in Christ. So excited for, for the journey that we're going to be on starting in February. Uh, and here for the month of January, we wanted to take some time to uh, really ask the Lord to speak something specific into our community um, we, we felt led to this, um, and so for the next four to five weeks, we're going to see what the fifth week looks like, but starting here this morning, we're beginning a little mini-series for the month of January that we've entitled All Things New, and if you can't quite see that there, the tagline of this and the heartbeat of this is a study on all the ways that Jesus leads his people, leads us, out of the old and into the new, out of the old and into the new. Really appropriate with the theme of a new year, and really appropriate because this is like one of the central themes of the Bible. Did you know this? If, if the Bible could be, and I probably do this every Sunday and say, if the Bible could be summarized into one theme, right? But, but genuinely, if you could really summarize the story of history, 
the story of God's work in the world, the story of what God's up to that scripture documents, you could say that the Bible is really just the story about how God is making all things new. This is the good news of Jesus. Uh, We see an indication of this even in the verses we just read there in Isaiah 43. It's just a classic picture of the newness that God brings, kind of saving the day. Um, Israel resembles really the human condition in Isaiah 43, those verses that Maddie read. At that point in time, they are under Babylonian captivity in a circumstance and a condition of life that's just defined by brokenness and sin. I mean, that's where they're at. Uh, It's bleak, it's dark, it's hopeless. It's certainly not all that God intended for the nation of Israel. When he's told Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, the plan for God's sovereign and has his perfect providential will, but, but God's heart, even in the creation of humanity, was for them to flourish, for there to be life and life abundant. But we know both the story of Israel and humanity that sin just kind of wreaks all kinds of havoc. And it leaves us in a similar place as Israel. We're just kind of stuck. You ever felt this way? Stuck in the same old, same old. You turn on the news, it's just like, what what do you find on the news? The same old, same old brokenness. Sometimes we look at our lives and what, what do we see? We might just see the same old, same old challenges and difficulty. And, and apart from Jesus, this is the human condition. There's some good days, but most of the time there's this experience of, of difficulty and, and brokenness that the Bible describes as the condition of the world apart from God. That, that's what's happened since we've turned from God. And here's Israel in their captivity because of their disobedience. All things are pointing to despair and hopelessness. And it's into, listen closely, it's into that circumstance that God says to his people, notice this again, do not remember, that's, that's beautiful, hold on, let me fix that. Do not remember the former things. Notice this. Nor consider the things of old. All you've been conscious about is the same old, same old, but I'm gonna bring you to a place where what feels like the same old, same old is gonna be a memory that I don't even want you to remember, but it's going to go away. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. And here's God's promise. Because behold, I will do, I love this, a new thing. You don't have to be stuck in the same old, same old, because God is a God of the new, and he comes to breathe new life into dead and old situations. He says, it shall spring forth, shall you know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is telling Israel, the situation you're in, no matter how long it's felt like you've been there and how long you feel like you'll be there, when God comes into the story, when he shows up, newness is possible. Newness is promised, actually. He goes, even if it doesn't seem possible, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. Maybe you go, I got nothing. God, there's no room for you to do something new in my life. And God's like, perfect. That's a perfect situation for me to show up and do what I do. I make all things new. Left to ourselves, it would be the same old, same old, but thanks be to God. He loves to make things new again. And this is really not just the story of Israel. This is the story of the world. God created a good world with perfect conditions, optimal living, relationship with God. Things are broken. And the plan of God from the beginning of time was to renew what's been destroyed, to restore what's been broken. 
And so we see this as pictured here with Israel, but ultimately there's no renewal like the renewal that Jesus ultimately brings. Don't you love this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17? The Bible says this about Jesus. This, this is that picture of what God is doing for Israel in, in their captivity, leading them out into a new life, is a type of what Jesus ultimately comes to give for all humanity. Does that make sense? Okay. The Bible says this, if anyone is in Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the promise that, that Jesus makes to the world. If you're today stuck in the same old, same old of your own captivity of brokenness, Jesus comes to make things new. That's what he does in our lives. And how does, he, how does he do it? Does he make our lives around us new and all of a sudden we have optimal, perfect conditions? Like Someone's like, I, I don't feel like self-lord is the Garden of Eden. What are you talking about, you know? No, he makes us new. He makes us new. Now, what's really cool about that, why does he do that? Well, when we live in this same old, same old world as new people, with the newness of life that Jesus brings, we're actually giving people a sample taste of what's to come. We are a foretaste of what God is ultimately going to do. Here's the back of the book. Here's how the story ends. Revelation 21.4 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is, this is what's ahead of us as followers of Jesus. There's a day coming where there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no, no more pain. Notice this. In the new heavens and new earth, because the form of things will pass away. This is a day coming. And then he who sat on the throne, I can't wait to hear this said, we're going to hear this, said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write these words, they are true and faithful. They are to be trusted. And so this is like a theme of the scriptures, that God shows up to make things new again. If you feel stuck in the same old, same old, you're in good company. You're in the company of humanity. We see it with Israel. We see it available to us in Jesus, a new life. And we see ultimately that that's to be a picture of what God is going to do one day. Once and for all, a new day is coming where brokenness and sin and death won't have the last word, but Jesus will reign and all things, all things, I love that, all things will become new. And so Jesus begun that, has begun that work in our lives. And that's really, again, that's what this series is all about, all things new. We want to, for the next few weeks, just kind of explore what that actually means in our lives. How does Jesus do that? How, how, Jesus is this one who, who's doing a new thing in our lives. So what are the different ways that he, that he leads us out of the old and into the new? And just kind of as a preview for what's ahead in the weeks to come, this is what we're going to look at for the next few weeks. Next week, we're going to look at this idea of, of Jesus leading us into a new covenant. He establishes a new covenant. We're going to study that next week to understand how to move from an old covenant mindset to a new covenant relationship with God. We're going to study the book of Hebrews next week. The week after, we're going to talk about how we are new creations. Okay? Um, what's the popular saying? Like, new year, new me. Hey! What's the meme where you like move the mask? It's like, psych, same me. Okay. But new creation. This is true for those of us who are in Jesus. You are not who you were. And we're going to study what it means to be new in Jesus. To be born again. To have a new life. And to experience that. Uh, and then the week after, we're going to look at how Jesus has, is leading us to become this new community. This new kind of people um, in the time that we're in. And so in the weeks ahead, we're going to be studying a lot of scripture, going deep into some different themes here that the Bible teaches. But guys, it's the first day of a new year, all right? 
And uh, I wanted to start, and as, you know, this is actually a completely different plan than what I had. Thursday, I had, a, I had next week's sermon all done for this morning. And I began to pray and map things out, and I just felt like the Lord led me to um, a, a different focus this morning. I want to kind of start us slow, especially on the first day of a new year with, with really, that's the theme, um, how Jesus leads us into a new year, okay? That, that's what we want to talk about, just simply that, how Jesus leads us into a new year. We've got um, 2022 behind us. I don't know how you might, you might feel happy about that. You might feel sad about that. You're like, oh, I missed 2022. Um, and we've got 2023, and there's a whole year entirely before us. Let's just think about this for a second. We've got 2022 officially behind us. 2023, a whole 365 days, is entirely before us. As a people, as a church, as individuals. How would Jesus want to lead us at the turn of this year? to navigate this, this moment? I think this is an important question to ask, um, mainly because we tend to be, uh, especially at this time of year, often like hyper self-focused, do you know what I mean? Like we go into a new year and all I can think about is me and all that I didn't do last year and all that I need to do this year. I got all my resolutions, all my plans for how I'm going to be a better me. This is my year right? And then at the end of every year, we say the same thing. We're like, next year's my year. One year, it'll be my year, right? And this is just the tendency. We, we can sort of orient, and it's, it's actually a really beautiful thing. It's, it's why our culture celebrates the turn of a new year, because it provides a sense of, of refresh and reset. And I, by the way, I think it's good to have goals <laughs> and to be strategic in the new year. But we can forget something about the truest thing about us. We're followers of Jesus. Which doesn't mean that we follow a guy who lived 2,000 years ago in his way of life and his teachings. This was the last study we did in Mark. We follow a present, active, living, reigning shepherd who's leading you. He's your shepherd, right? That's what Psalm 23 says. We know this psalm. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. This is what it means to be a child of God. Um, left to my own, I don't navigate my life very well. We tend to think, we, we, we tend to think that we can be our own shepherds. Well, the Bible's like, well, you can't do that because you're, you're a sheep, right? You, you're, you need leadership outside of yourself to be who God created you to be. So David acknowledges this humble but assured expectation that through Jesus laying down his life and purchasing my life, God is now my shepherd, and I have everything I need. I shall not want, because I have him. And, and he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The, the next verse will say that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's the one thing about the shepherd that's repeated twice in Psalm 23, that he leads the sheep, that he leads them. As Christians, we're not just led by the turn of the year and our own self-evaluations, our own performance evaluations. As we enter a new year, we're not led by the clock and by time. We want to be mindful about this question, Jesus, how are you leading me? I mean, this is the job that we have as leadership of this church. Like We, we say um, kind of regularly that we believe Jesus is the senior pastor of Solus Church. 
And that, like, that, that kind of, like, feels good, like a ministry value. Like, yeah, I like that. But, no, like, we have to believe that. We have to believe that Jesus is pastoring us as his people. And in his leadership, our job is to follow what, Paul, what Peter calls the chief shepherd. Where is he taking us? What is he doing? And the same needs to be true of our lives. If Jesus is your good shepherd, how is he leading you in this new year? Uh, what I want to submit to us this morning is, jot this down. I want to submit to us four ways that the scripture would teach that Jesus desires to lead us as we enter a new year. This is just some, you know, typically when you come to Solace, we're going verse by verse through a whole chunk of scripture. I'm going to get my Andy Stanley on a little bit here this morning, okay? I want to use a scriptural foundation to offer us some wisdom here. As we think about this new year, I want us to think about four ways that Jesus, as, as, as our shepherd, would desire to lead us. As the one who leads us out of the old, 2022, into the new, 2023, four ways that Jesus desires to lead us as we enter a new year. And maybe these are things you've considered, but I, I guarantee there's maybe one or two that you haven't. So um, let's look at these. And we just, I just want to pray again. Jesus, speak to us now as we look at how you want to lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to submit to us, first way that I think Jesus wants to lead us into the new year is write this down. Jesus wants to lead us with a new start, a fresh start, a clean slate. Now, this is what tends to draw our culture to celebrate a new year is it's like it's, it's sort of this uh, illusion. It's not rea reality, but it's the feeling like 2022 and all my mistakes in that year can just go away. Because 2023 is here now, new year, new me. Let's just forget about that year. And here I am now, a new start, a new eating plan, new relationships, a new devotional life, a, a new way to prioritize my life. And um, when I say that Jesus wants to offer us a new start in the new year, I, I, am, I am not saying that the new year has some kind of special power to give you a clean slate. There's only one thing that can give you the power to have a clean slate, and that is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Um, the, the true slate, the true record of your life that matters most is not what you evaluate in 2022. It's what heaven knows about you and your life and how you've lived. That's what, right? You guys with me? Like, that's what, what really matters. That's the slate you need to care the most about, <laughs> okay? It's not how you feel your year went, but who you are in the eyes of God. That's the slate. What Jesus comes to give humanity is so much more than a yearly reset to feel like you can start again. Jesus offers humanity a substantial clean slate. Because on the cross, Jesus exchanges places with us. Are you following me? This is good news. And he, what, here's the odds. Odds are you were not all you intended to be in 2022. You, I mean, nail every resolution they had. You're like, oh, I had resolutions last year. I think in January I had those, right? I mean, chances are, as you look back, even if, even if you were like, no, man, 2022 was my best year ever. I was the best version of myself. That may be true. And, and that's actually good for you. That's awesome. I celebrate that with you. It was a great year for you. But I don't think there would be anybody in this room that would say, there's, you know, there's nothing I would change about how I acted last year. 
I was, it was that good of a year. I did everything right. Everything I said glorified God. The words of my mouth and meditation of my heart were always pleasing in his sight. My heart towards people, whole and loving and pure. My relationship with sin, I'm an overcomer. You know? I mean, we know. And if, like, you're not sure, like, ask the people who know you. They'll help you. Like, that's why they're there. I mean, so as we enter a new year, recognizing that, what is it that we truly need? We, we don't just need a new start in some generic way, knowing our fallenness, our flawedness, knowing this, that you're also, check this out, you're also not going to be all you resolve to be in, in 2023. Did you know that? You're not going to be all that you hope to be. You're not. You're going to fall short. Welcome to humanity. Paul's like, the things I love to do, I don't do. Things I hate to do, really good at. Really good at that. This is just what it means to need grace, to need God, to need the new start that he offers that's not yearly. Listen to this. It's daily. This is what... Lamentations chapter 3, 21 and 23. You need to know the context of this because it's like, what did you study in church this week? It's like, we studied the book of Lamentations on the first day of the new year. We're lamenting. No. The context of this obviously is Jeremiah's own prayer life and weeping and mourning over the nation of Israel. But there's a, a turning point that Jeremiah takes in Babylonian captivity when he says this, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. I can have hope despite my performance and my record and the old, same old, same old, I have hope, notice this why, because through the Lord's mercies, in Hebrew, the, the Lord's hased, his covenantal love and faithfulness to his people, we are not consumed. Why are we not consumed? Because his mercies and compassions fail not. They are new every morning. And then Jeremiah says, great is your faithfulness. What, what an incredible description of God. The new start that we have in Jesus is connected to his mercy that is poured out upon our lives, ultimately through the gospel. This is where we come to get a clean slate, where God ministers his mercy over our own brokenness and sin. Uh, the word here for mercy is really interesting. Describing, this is, um, this is the, the same word that's used when God reveals himself to Moses. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Moses is like, God, I want to see you. God's like, I can't do that, you'll die, but I'll, I'll proclaim my name to you. And, and the first, in Scripture, this is intentional, especially if it's God. The first thing that God is going to say about himself is, is going to be like the first thing he wants us to know about himself. Is that, that's simple enough. The first thing he says about himself as the Lord of the Lord God is that he is merciful and gracious. This is who he is. It's the same word here as the word compassions. Um, it's another word can be translated there as mercy. I'm going to try to pronounce the Hebrew word. Lynn, you could help me if I don't do this right. Okay. Rahem wehan. Perfectly Boca English right there for the Hebrew word. But rahem wehan is, is this Hebrew word, a beautiful Hebrew word that, listen, speaking of God's heart towards his people, it's the root word of, did you know this, of a mother's womb. It's the root word of a mother's room. This is intentional language. This is, is speaking of the relationship a mom has towards her kids. 
is how God feels towards his children. For those of us who are in Christ, we don't just need a new year. We need to look at Jesus and what he's done for us and who God is toward us as his people. And what the Bible says about God is, is that his baseline heart towards you is not judgment, it's mercy. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. The picture here, again, is that of a mother. Isaiah 49 uses the same word and says, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? The word compassion there is the same word for mercy. Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. What do we need at the start of a new year? We need a reminder of God's heart towards us. As we bring our our record of 2022, as we step into a year where we're not going to be perfectly all that we intend to be, we need to remember God's heart towards us is mercy. And this is so hard, I think, because, well, we live in a world of no mercy. <laughs> like, literally, I'm not saying that like, to be dramatic. We live in a world, especially a culture at this time, where, and this is one of the ways the enemy really divides humanity and gets you out of your identity as a child of God, is there's this cultural bend to just be so hard and harsh and judgmental toward every flaw, every single flaw. The, the baseline emotion of our culture is not mercy, it's judgment. It's ju and the Bible says be careful because whatever measure you render out, be careful, that's going to come right back to you. Mercy is the sense in which it's not that there's not unrighteousness. It's not that there's not sin and brokenness. It's not that it's, it's not a problem. But mercy says, I'm withholding the judgment. I'm being like God, slow to anger, compassionate, merciful, caring, like a mother towards their child when they mess up. And we can tend to be the complete opposite towards ourselves. How harsh are you right now on yourself because of how much you've fallen short of who you thought you'd be? Who you thought you'd be this year? Who you thought you'd be today? I mean, by now I thought I'd be fill in the blank. By now I thought I'd stop fill in the blank. What do we need as we start a new year? We need a reminder of God's heart towards us. He's got a heart of mercy towards you. If you're in his son Jesus, here's the good news of the gospel. You have a clean slate. You're not defined by your mistakes last year. And good news, you're not going to be defined by your performance this year. You are defined by the righteousness of Jesus, and that is who you are. That is who you are in him because he's a God of mercy. And I love what, what Lamentations actually says about this. It says that these mercies of God, this is so cool, they don't just reset once a year. Okay, I got a clean slate now. I love that he's like, they're new every morning. Isn't that so cool? Every morning. Every morning, it's, it's an opportunity for fresh mercy, mercy to fall on you, to forget yesterday, to receive God's grace today. I think of, um, I think of, I think of uh, the National, National Basketball Association. That's what I naturally think of here, right? You know, in basketball, um, an, a team on offense has how long to make a basket? Come on, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Okay, Chris is here for this. I asked him to be here today for that. Um, 24 seconds. 24 seconds. Now, if, if a team shoots the basket... 24 seconds, and it hits the rim and they get a rebound, what happens? Chris, tell us what happens in basketball. Oh, see, I thought it actually resets to a 24 seconds. So this just is not, this illustration's kaput. Why did, is it really? Okay. Why'd I ask you? This would have been great if, if we just lived in ignorance. Now this illustration's kaput. But let's say hypothetically, 
I started a basketball league, all right? And in this league, when you get the rebound, you get a whole new 24, okay. The good news is that with Jesus, this is the picture, though, that every day is like that offensive rebound that resets the clock, that with the Lord, it's a fresh start. It's a fresh start. And it's not even, like, literal. And sometimes I, think, I used to think that way, like, knowing this verse as a young Christian. It's like, oh, I sinned. i got to wait till tomorrow for forgiveness. I've already exhausted all God's resources for forgiving me today. I'm going to go to bed early. Sooner I get, you know, sooner I get there, sooner I get it, you know. And listen, this is just a poetic way to say that if you are in Christ, you can live from, the, from, God, from a knowledge of God's heart for you, being merciful and gracious, especially because of who you are in Jesus. I love that Micah says this. This is just one important last comment about this. The Bible says, who is God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever. And I love this. He delights in mercy. When you come to God and, and you confess that same sin for the one billionth time, it's not his duty to be merciful to you. It's his delight. It's not jury duty, like I, I'm God, and I gotta go, I gotta do my duty and be merciful to this person. No, it's the heart, like the heart of a mom towards their kid, amen? Listen, as we start this new year, let the new mercy of God lead you to a new start, not just today, but carry this with you each and every day this year. God's mercies are toward you. Here's another thing that I think we need as we, as we start a new year. Another way that Jesus leads us. He wants to lead us with a new song. A new song. This one, this is kind of coming out of my life too, personally, just so you know. This is like the things that God is teaching me as I'm turning the year. This is something else that the Lord has been ministering to me, that, that God wants to put a new song. He's the God of the new. He brings new mercy every day, and he inspires new songs in our heart. This is right out of Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord. What? What? A new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. This is a commandment for the people of Israel. A commandment. I love this. To come up with new songs. I mean, that's literally what it is. But, but it's so much more than that, right? God's not just like, hey, we got to have this thing called the book of Psalms. All right? It's going to be about 150 chapters long. Can you guys come up with some new songs? That, that's, that's not just the idea here. Singing a new song to the Lord is, it's, it's a process, an experience, that actually has led to all of the songs that we see in the Bible. You ever notice this with someone? Where, where they go from some experience with God, they reflect on it, and they recognize God. They have to take time to think, and they go, wow. And, and out of that is birthed this song of praise or this song of reflection. I think of Mary when she's told that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. What happens? A new song. This is really where the entire book of Psalms comes from. The, the book of Psalms is the song book of Israel in the Bible, 150 songs. Today we're called to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Like we gather here on Sunday and we sing songs that that people of our time have wrote, that people of history, the church of history has wrote out of their own experience with God. As they recognize and reflect on their life, they're, they're led to sing to God. One of the greatest examples of this is Psalm chapter 40. David gives a great picture of this. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He's thinking about his life. He's thinking about what he's gone through. And he goes, and he inclined to me. I was waiting on him. I was seeking him. And he, he heard my cry. And here's what he did. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. He's talking about his testimony his experience, out of the miry clay. He didn't just take me out of where I was at. I love this. He set my feet on a rock. 
He gave me a new standing in life, a new position, a new foundation. He established my steps. As David is reflecting on this, he says, this is Psalm 40. He says, he has put a new song in my mouth as I think about this. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust the Lord. The rest of Psalm 40, many scholars believe, is the song that God inspired in David's heart. Um, through, listen again. Through a time of reflection and recognition. I want to show you one more example of this. This is one of my favorites in the book of Revelation. There's a reflection of the church upon Jesus being the one whose blood conquers death. And it says this, that they sing a new song right here. And they say to Jesus, a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and nation and people. You have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So you see this theme. We get it, right? This is what, what, what God often inspires in the hearts of his people. I mean, we, we know the difference between like singing the same old song in a way that's just kind of religious and redundant. Do you know what I mean? But there's two things that happen in a very special way in worship. Something happens every now and then in, in, in the church in our time where a new song comes in and it's like a fresh wind of the spirit where there's something that's new about it. It's authentic and it's this fresh expression of sincere worship to God for who he is. And, and by the way, that can happen with old songs when we sing them in a fresh way. When we take time, you know, theology should really be our worship leader, amen? When we think about God, when we think about who he is and what he's done, we come into the house of God and we're just led to worship him. It could be the same old song, but if God is the same and he hasn't changed and he's been who he is, I worship him almost like this is the first time I'm ever singing it. It's a new song that's the result of recognition and reflection. This is the tendency for Israel. This is the tendency, we'll see this for God's people in the end of, of all days. And this is the command of Scripture. Now, how does this apply to a new year? Um, I think that this command in Scripture to have fresh worship to God that's birthed out of hard work to think and reflect on our lives is one of the hardest things to do in our culture. Especially with even our theological mindsets and the way we do church. We just kind of go and we leave. We go and we leave. We try hard in life. We get in community. We do our best. We kind of press on. My question to you this morning is this. When is the last time you stopped and gave God the time to process your life with you? When's the last time you did what David did where you're like, I'm going to look back and see what God's done? As we start a new year, can I say that I think Jesus wants to lead us in a new song that's birthed out of some real hard work to reflect on last year? Don't just, like, we love being like, 2022 is gone, new year, new everything. It's like, well, slow down. Um, what has God been doing? What has God been saying? This is a discipline that I've, I've learned recently. Um, I've been taught it. I'm trying to practice it more. It's something I do with my kids, and it's something I'm trying to do every few months. i got a little graph up here for you, and this is something I'm going to encourage you to do as you get into the new year. Create a chart as you look back on your year, and, and you just create this graph. You just spend some time with God. Have a journal. Spend some time with him, and just think about what were the highest moments of your, of your year, of 2022? What are the things that you, like, 
And you could even like, if there's like a chart here, it's like you got the lowest, you know what I'm saying? You could put that here, you know, that one. But maybe there's like a low moment, but it's not this one, but it's like this one. And then you have highs, and then you have like that high of highs that towers above it all. These are the things that were like life-giving this year, and these would be the things that were more life-taking, I don't know, soul-sucking, maybe another word, but like the difficulty of that experience and, and the joy of that experience. And maybe pray this year and take five things to reflect on as your highs. Take a moment to like live in the joy of that moment. Maybe you just breezed over that. And you're like, I need to rejoice in that gift of that moment. God, I praise you that you gifted me that experience. Take a moment to rejoice. We tend to brush quickly over these, don't we? Got to be resilient. Got to keep going. Got to show up for work. Got to show up for my family. So I just got to press on. And meanwhile, your soul is deteriorating because you're not caring to, attending to what you've walked through. So you take some time to process your lows. You take some time to think about what's something I walked through this year that has maybe affected where I'm at right now more than I'm willing to actually recognize. It could be your own mistakes. It could be something. Like when I do this, these are, these are as broad as like some challenge, like challenges in the home with kids to like that thing that that person said to me that I haven't been able to forget. And so, so spend some time with Jesus doing this. And then here's what I want to encourage us to do in this new year. Ask yourself this question. Ready? If 2022 were a song, what would be the name? And you're asking God this question. You're saying, Lord, here's what you do. You create that list, and then you start to do this. God, is there a theme here this year? As I connect my low moments, even with my high moments, it's amazing how the Lord will speak to you through your life, and you'll see him at work. And he inspires this song. And it might not be like this happy, smiling, you know, don't worry, be happy song. It might be a more deep and meaningful song. It might be a song that involves, you know, some of the psalms, there's David's just like, God, I don't know where you are. That's my song title of 2022 is Where's the Lord? That's the song. But David would say, but I know who you are and I trust you. So, so look back on that year and then think to yourself, if it were a song, what would be the name? This is how I think Jesus would want to lead us in the new year. I hope the way I explain this makes any sense. Hopefully it does, okay? A new song. Uh, write this next one down. Another way that Jesus would want to lead us into the new year. This is some more easier stuff, but new sight. New sight. This is how the Lord leads us. Jesus actually compares himself to the leaders of his day, the religious leaders. And what does he say about them? He says, leave them alone. What does he say about them? They're blind leaders of the blind. That's how they lead. They're blind, and they're leading people into deeper blindness. We know the opposite is true of Jesus. Jesus leads leads us as someone who knows the way, who sees the way, and he shows us the way. Vision for where God is taking you, seeing ahead, is not just like a valuable supplement and additive to your Christian life. It's got to be at the center of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so there should be in our lexicon, in our prayer life, there should be something similar to this in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes. What a prayer for the new year. God, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. God, I'm not just like opening my eyes generally saying, give me some vibe and some vision, okay? I'm opening God's word. I'm saying, God, your word is 
inspired and true, yet it's also living and active. Open my eyes and give me vision for this year. What are you saying to me? He's a God who has spoken, and he's a God who's still speaking by his spirit through his word. As Jesus leads us into the new year, he doesn't lead us as a blind leading the blind. He leads us as a seeing leader who wants his people to see. He wants to give you new sight. And, and the two dangers of, of, of blindness is being comfortable in blindness. That's one danger. Don't be there. Ask God for vision. And for us in our family, like what we try to do is, you probably do this too, right? Like a word even, that could help, like one word. But, but one danger is being comfortable in your blindness and just kind of like, going through the motions and, and just, you know, as long as, like, as long as Jesus can see, I can see, I can just be blind. It's fine, you know. And, and that's a dangerous place. He wants you to see. He wants to show you some wonderful things, and it's a central part of who he's calling you to be. But there's another extreme of blindness where you assume your sight. You just go, well, I know enough of the Bible to see it clearly. I, I see it. I see. And some people try to point things out in your life. Like, no, I see it all. I got it. See. It's like, hey, um, you have blind spots, Right? And, and there, listen, there may be a chance that right now God sees more than you. He's got a really good perspective, doesn't he? He can see all. And so posture your heart in the new year to receive new sight. Amen? That's it on that point. Let's go to the next one, all right? Lastly, we'll close with this. The ways that Jesus wants to lead us into the new year. Lastly, how about some new strength? How about some new strength? A new start doesn't come from the start of a new year. It comes from the start of a relationship with God through Jesus, that grace and mercy that's his posture toward you. I can receive his gentleness toward me. I don't need to be so harsh and critical towards every flaw in my life because he knows them. And that's really the power to change is his grace and mercy. Not just his mercy. I also need to take some time to reflect on what he's been up to in my life. That's how, that's how I know him because I see what he's up to in my life. And it leads me to, to sing a new song to him as I reflect on who he is and what he's done and what I've walked through. It's healthy. And then, God, I need some vision to see that the new year, what, what you're calling me to in the new year. And, and then I need more than just a vision for who you're calling me to be. I need a strength that's outside of myself that I've forgotten maybe because I'm prone towards independence and self-sufficiency. And sometimes what it takes for us to reach for God's strength is we crash and burn in our weakness. And we're like, God, I need you. I need you this year. I need more than vision and goals and ideas and plans and resolutions. I need the power of the living God to fill and strengthen my life. And this is a promise that God gives to his people in Isaiah 40. I love this. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither faints nor is weary. He's never exhausted. He's never tired. He has inexhaustible strength. His understanding is unsearchable. The Bible says about God in terms of strength that he is the creator and the sustainer of all things. This is really hard for us to understand in a world where we're always trying to find uh, new energy sources new ways to plug in our cars and our phones. And listen, and our lives. We're always looking for ways to, to keep things going. But you know what the Bible teaches about God is that God doesn't get a low battery. 
You know what I'm saying? God doesn't need to plug in and recharge. God is the source of energy that everything else plugs into. He holds everything together. He's the creator and the sustainer of the whole world. He's the reason we're here. He's the reason that, that the earth is rotating. He's the reason why a new year is here. He doesn't get tired. He is the source of all power and strength. And here's the good news for people like you and me. He gives power to the weak. He gives. He's generous with his strength for his children. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youths shall faint. Even those in culture that we would look on and go, they're the most strong and and enduring among us. What's the expression? Even the best of man is just man at best. <laughs> so the youths will faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, the word there of, of waiting is think of like a waiter, okay? A waiter doesn't just stand there and wait for you to give them their order. What are you doing? I'm waiting on you, okay? They're, they're actually called, we, they like to be called servers, right? Those who seek the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is not some sort of passive twiddle your thumbs activity. I'm in the waiting room. Waiting on the Lord means, God, I don't know what to do, but I have enough to seek you. I'm going to know you. I'm going to pursue you. And as I come to you, that, that's my priority, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. You promise to renew my strength, to mount me up with wings like eagles, we shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint. The hope of you getting through this year in faithfulness to Jesus is directly connected to your willingness to depend on him and lean on him and receive the renewal of strength that he wants to give you. And th the good news of this, too, is it's like this is an always available thing. I love that. Renewable energy. <laughs> you know, renewable strength that's found in a relationship with God who's always available. Listen, this is the Christian life. It's not, I gotta be strong enough to do the things that God has called me to do. It's I've gotta learn to recognize my weakness in a way that leads me to depend on God. That's what Paul says, because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. And he gives me the strength to enter a new year. So I invite the band to close us out here in this moment. But those are the, the four things. As you think about your new year, I wanna encourage us with that. We're going to spend a lot more study in the weeks to come looking at all the new things that Jesus is leading us into as his people. But at the turn of a new year, hopefully this helped, hopefully just a little vision for us as a community to follow Jesus with a new start, to process our year and have a new song that recognizes his faithfulness and what we've walked through, to receive some renewed strength, the empowerment of his spirit that comes through a relationship with him, not independence, but dependence upon him, and also some new sight to be able to see with fresh eyes who he's calling me to be. This is a big part of why we want to start the year with being intentional about praying and fasting and seeking God. We want to say, God, give us vision. Lord, fill us with strength. God, put a new song in our heart. Lord, remind us of your grace and your mercy. As we seek you and draw near to you, you promise to draw near to us. Amen? Hey, listen, why don't you guys stand with me as we close in this time of worship. I just want you to take a moment and think about this verse we started with. Behold, I will do a new thing, God says. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so maybe you come in here this morning, and there are some real clear things that need the newness of Jesus this morning. You're like, I need some new strength. And we've got through these things. Like, I need some new vision. 
I need a new song in my heart. And maybe for others of you, you're like, I, I need God to show me that. Because I've been so independent that I, I, don't, I haven't really heard from him or looked at my life in a while. Uh, what we want to do as, as we leave this moment is we want to sing the song we came in that just says, God, wherever we're at, we want to build our lives upon you. We start a new year. We don't want to build it upon our performance of last year or our goals for this year. We want to build it fully upon you because you're the God that makes all things new. Amen.